Revelations chapter 16, I'd like to begin reading with verse 12. As the Bible said, Then the sixth angel poured out his vial on the great river Euphrates, and its waters was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walks naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. I want to preach and teach this morning for a little while on the battle of Armageddon and the revelation of Christ. We find that Satan's long course of rebellion and working against God is going to climax at the battle of Armageddon. The latter part of the tribulation period called the Great Tribulation will be, will be filled with war and unbelievable judgments that's going to come upon the earth. The battle of Armageddon will conclude the great tribulation period for this battle will be Satan's last attempt to exterminate the Jews and to bring them under his control. For we must keep in mind that at the time the Jews will be in their own land because the covenant with the Antichrist has been formed and as the covenant of the Antichrist came into place, all the Jews gathered back at Jerusalem and Israel in their homeland and so they will all be there in their own land. And because of the covenant with the Antichrist who is an enemy of God, you see the Antichrist having broken his covenant with the Jews and having received the approval of the world world will gather all the military forces of the world to move against Jerusalem. We will find in the last part of the tribulation period, the first three and a half years, uh, the Antichrist came on the scene. Everything, uh, it seemed like, well, fell into place. It seemed like he had an answer for all the tragedies of the world. Uh, he fixed all the poverty issues. He fixed all the wars. Uh, peace came upon the earth. He promised peace to everybody. Prosperity grew. Everything was wonderful. Everything was great. Uh, all the people came and worshipped, and all the people began to just put all their confidence in him and then we find that he set up a false prophet he set up the false prophet and then brought in the new religion and as the new religion came into form it said that he put an image of himself in the temple at Jerusalem and at this time he demanded the worship of the Jews and they began demanded that they come and worship him and he set himself up as God. Now by this time the Jews have realized that they've made a mistake, that they followed the wrong one, that he's not the Messiah, that he is the Antichrist. So here they are and now we come to the battle of Armageddon where that the Antichrist has gathered together the armies of the world and they have gathered a great mass army and it's greater than known, ever been known to any man. And the world has gave their approval. They've set their approval upon it and said, yes, we're going to be there with you. It's going to take place. And they're all going to gather a military force of the world to move against Jerusalem. Now, never such was an army seen in all the world. Never was there such a magnificent display of power or control by one man. Now, while the nations of the world are being gathered, 
gathered together in the Middle East for the final battle called Armageddon. The Lord Jesus Christ with his armies in glory and the angels in heaven are standing ready for the great revelation known as the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Antichrist who receives his power from Satan sets himself up as God, prepares to fight against God himself. The revelation must be distinguished between the rapture of the church and the second coming. We've got to get this in our mind. We've got to realize that it's one event but two separate things that's taken place. We can find here at the rapture of the church the saints of God are called away to meet the Lord in the air before the tribulation period ever starts. The dead in Christ is risen and those that are still alive on the earth are caught up with him in the air and we are to ever be with the Lord. That's his coming. That's his rapture that's going to take place. But the second coming of Christ known as the revelation of Jesus takes place at the end of the tribulation period when Christ shall make his public return to this earth. We can find that when this takes place Christ's coming will be known to all people. You see friends Zechariah described it in this event in Zechariah 14 verse 3 and 4 when he said then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battles and in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives which faces Jerusalem on the east and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west making a very large valley and half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half toward the south we can find in Revelation chapter 19 beginning in verse 11 he said now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat upon him was called faithful and true and in the righteousness he judges and makes war his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns he had a name written that no one knew except himself he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood his name is called the word of God and the armies in heaven are clothed in fine linen and white and clean follow him on white horses now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself shall rule them he shall rule them with an iron rod and when Jesus Christ steps out on the eastern skies and the trump of God sounds and the dead in Christ rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the air and we shall ever be with the Lord this is the rapture the only people that's going to take place are going to see this are going to hear this are going to know this is those that are believers in Jesus Christ only the believers will see him and will hear his call but when he comes back on that white horse when he comes back with the angelic beings when he comes back with the saints riding with him it's not going to just be for a select few but every eye is going to notice every eye is going to see every ear is going to hear every mouth is going to be open because the king of kings and the lord of lords is coming upon the scene and all the nations of the world will know him and will see him and see who he is he will be known You see in Revelations chapter 1 verse 7 he said behold he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and and even though 
and even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Those that pierced him shall look upon him according to Zechariah 13 and 6 and say, What are these wounds in your hands? And then he shall answer, Those which was wounded in the house of my friends. So every eye is going to see him. It's not going to be like the rapture. It's not just going to be the body of Christ. It's not just going to be the saints. It's not just going to be the ones that's looking for him. But when he comes at the end of Revelations, every person that's on the earth is going to see him and know that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is coming back. You see, when he comes, to, when he comes the second time, he's going to come in all of his glory. You see, when he, came the, when he comes the second time, He'll not come back as a lamb, but he'll come back as a lion. He'll not come back as the Savior of the world with mercy and grace, but he'll come back to judge everyone on the earth. While the conquering powers of the Antichrist are, are reveling in their victory and gloating over their strength, and while their whole world wanders at the feet of, of the beast and lies prostrate at his feet, suddenly the Bible declares in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 29, he said, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the heavens, the powers of the heavens will be shaken, the signs of the sun. Son of man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. At this time the light of the Antichrist will be eclipsed by another light and it's going to be the glory of the Son of God. It's going to be the King of Kings. It's going to be the Lord of Lords that's going to come in and as he comes in it's going to be the glory of Jesus Christ the Son of Righteousness the one is risen with healing in his wings the one who is the day star who lights up the heavens with all of his glory and all of his power you see when the sun veils her face when the moon refuses to shine the entire span of heaven and the whole earth is overrun with the light of the coming of the son of the son of man Jesus Christ, when he opens up those skies and steps out and rides out on that white horse, his glory is going to be so bright that it's going to look like the light of day all around the world. You see, Matthew 24 and 27 said, For as the light comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. The Bible tells us that his brightness of his coming, his countenance will be like the strength of the sun. His eyes will shine like a flame of fire. His brilliance will increase and the eyes of the world will be fixed upon his in glory. He appears out of heaven. He is accompanied by the angels of glory and he's surrounded by the saints of God. If you want to know how this thing ends up, if you want to know if it's been worth the fight or not, if you want to know this morning if all the battles and all the struggles and all the hardships are worth it, I want you to keep in mind he said the saints of God's coming back and we're riding on the white horse with him and we're not coming to be put under subjection but we're coming to rule and reign with Christ can you give the Lord praise this morning <coughs> you see Zechariah tells us in chapter 14 verse 5 he said and the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with him 
in Jude verse 14, the Bible said, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. For these are the translated saints that are caught up to meet the Lord in the air at the rapture of the church. The Lord descends from heaven surrounded by angelic armies and accompanied by the saints of glory, robed in dazzling garments of white, and as he goes out to meet the foes and the enemy. At his triumphant entry into Jerusalem when he was here upon the earth, he rode a borrowed donkey, but he's not coming back on a borrowed donkey. He's coming back on a white stallion that's going to represent his deity, his power, his authority, and his purity. He's coming back as King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, who brought peace to the sin-sick world, will now come to judge in righteousness and make war upon the earth against the host of the devil. The world will realize that the Lord is a God of battles and he's a man of war. The day of mercy the day of compassion, the day of grace, the day of forgiveness. Those times are past. Those times are gone. Those times are over. This time when he comes, instead of a crown of thorns on his head, he'll have a crown of gold which signifies his authority. This time when he comes, he will come as a mighty conqueror, king of kings and lord of lords. He'll smite the nations with a sword that goes out of his mouth. Revelations 19 and 15 said, Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He will come followed by a great army of the saints from glory to rule on the earth with a rod of iron. The people of the earth will wail because of him. Why are they going to wail when they see him? Because for this very first time, after all the deception of the Antichrist, after all the deception of the false prophets, after all the signs and the wonders that they got on board with, after all the majestic and magical things that they fell in with, after all the things that they said, this must be God because he could do this and he could do that, all these things are finally going to come to the real light and they're going to realize for the first time, I've been following the Antichrist. It's not God. It's not Jesus. It's not the Savior. But there is the Savior, the Lord, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lamb of God. That's Him right there. But also at that very moment, as they recognize the deity of who's sitting on that white horse, they're also going to realize that the day of salvation is gone. The day of redemption is over. The day of mercy and grace is already beyond them. The time of repentance has passed. The time of redemption is already gone. But now there's nothing but judgment ahead. There's nothing but judgment. The world had the opportunity when the Lamb hung upon the cross with His blood streaming down that wooden cross as He suspended between heaven and earth. They had the opportunity at that time 
for their sins to be covered, their sins to be forgiven. No condemnation could be brought upon them. They could be forgiven. Their name could be written in the Lamb's book of life. They could have a home in heaven, and they could spend eternity with the Lord. But yet, no, they said, I don't have time. I'm too busy. My schedule's too hectic. I got too many opportunities ahead of me. I got too many things to do, too many places to go. I've got too many important people to see. I've got too much money to make. I've got too much money to spend. I've got too many things that I want to go do. I can't, God, I don't have time for God right now. There'll be time later. Honey, I got news for you. The day of salvation is right now. And you're not guaranteed whether there's going to be a tomorrow or not. We can play church, we can put God off, we can make excuses, we can tell God how busy we are, we can tell Him everything that's going to make us feel good. But when the rapture's come and gone, and Jesus comes back seven years later at the end of tribulation, and He's coming with judgment and war upon this earth, there will be no redemption. There will be no salvation. There will be no other opportunities to give your heart to the Lord. You see, this time when he comes, he'll come as a mighty conqueror, king of kings and lord of lords. He'll smite the nations with a sword that goes out of his mouth. He'll come and he's followed by the great armies of, of the angelic beings of heaven and with the saints of God. The people on the earth will realize who he is. And at that moment, I believe in, with all my heart that their memory is going to be back, go back to the times that they heard a gospel message preached and they felt the tug of the Holy Spirit grab a hold of their heart and they heard the prayers of their mothers and their fathers, and they heard the prayers of their grandmother and their granddaddy. They heard the prayers of their pastor. They heard the prayers and the words of encouragement drawing them to the altar by the evangelists that came by to run revival. I believe all those times are going to run through their mind and through their heart. And I believe that it's at that moment that they're going to begin to wail and they're going to begin to scream, and they're going to begin to be emotional like you've never seen emotionalism before because they're going to realize who just split the eastern skies. The Antichrist will make war against Christ. When the Antichrist sees this appearance of the Son of Man, he's going to make war against him. He's going to say, we're going to defeat him. Revelations chapter 19, verse 19 said, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and the armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. For Satan rallies the Antichrist to gather the forces of the earth together against the host of heaven. The kings of the earth and their armies make war against the king of kings and the lord of lords. The beast and the false prophet are captured and they're cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with a sword which proceeded out of the mouth of him who sat upon the horse and their bodies are left as a feast for the birds of the air. This is going to be a gruesome time. 
It's going to be, according to some writers, the bloodiest battle that's ever been fought or ever been known upon the earth. As Jesus comes forth and the word comes out of his mouth, they're going to be slain. There's going to be dead bodies stacked up and laid up. I've heard one writer write that he believed that there was going to be blood that was going to be up to the bridles of the horses. This is not something that's just some fairy tale. This is in the Word of God. This is what God said's coming. This is what He said's going to happen to those that are left on the earth that don't go in the rapture and they're not ready. The battle's going to happen. The Antichrist and Satan is going to believe that they can overcome the power of God and they're going to gather all the armies of the nations and all the armies of the world together and they're going to go out and do war against him. But with one word coming out of the mouth of God, God's going to destroy them. Simultaneously with this event, an angel from heaven is going to put Satan under arrest. He's going to cast him into the bottomless pit where he, he is sentenced for a thousand year reign. After Christ has conquered the Antichrist and Satan is bound for a thousand years, uh, Revelations 20 and 4 said, Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God. And they were raised to life again and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, I've heard a lot of people all my life say, Preacher, it ain't going to matter if I go in the rapture or not. I'll just give my life in the tribulation. That kind of puzzles me. We're going to say... It doesn't matter if I'm ready to go now where I'm ready to go in the rapture when all Christ wants us to do is give Him our heart and live for Him with blessings to go along with it. But yet we're going to wait till seven years of the greatest tribulation that's ever known to this earth or to this body or to man falls upon the earth and the only way you're going to enter in is to be put under a guillotine and your head be cut off, and you're going to make it then. I think you've got yourself deceived. How are we going to put ourselves in the place to where we're going to say, God, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey God. I'm going to follow Christ. I'm not going to take the mark. I'm not going to receive the mark. I'm not going to worship the image you've set up in Jerusalem. I'm not going to fall at its feet. I don't care how many words you make it say. I don't care how many miracles you make it do. I don't care how many miraculous things comes from this form and this beast that you set up in Jerusalem. I'm not going to fall down and worship you. I'm not going to take the mark. I'm not going to be obedient to your deception, but I'm just going to do whatever it takes, and if you want to take my head, take my head. How are we going to do that? Now, both of your seatbacks, it's going to jar your theology. How are we going to do that when we have the hardest time getting to church on Sunday morning? Oh, 
I can't, I can't get there on Sunday morning. I can't get there on time. I can't, I can't do that. I, I just can't do it. I, I got too many things going on in my life. I, I just got too many things to do. My hair wouldn't work. And my, my cologne didn't smell right. And I dropped the mirror and broke it. And my brush fell in the commode. And I had to paint my toenails and my fingernails. And I had to clip my nails. And I couldn't, I couldn't find my shirt. And my wife didn't iron it. And she didn't iron my pants. And I just can't come to church because there's too much chaos in my life. Honey, you ain't known chaos until you get in the tribulation period. And then you're going to realize and know a whole new definition of chaos. The battle's coming. The one that's coming and is going to win and bring victory is not coming back with mercy and compassion and grace. He's coming back with judgment and war. You see, this is the completion of the first resurrection, which has three phases of saints. We have the Christ, the first fruits. Afterwards are those who went in the rapture, and then those that were beheaded for the witness of, of Jesus Christ during the tribulation. Now, I'm going to throw this out there, and this is Kimberly theology. At the end of the last three years, or three and a half years of tribulation, the covenant that's been made with the Jews is going to be broken. The false prophet's going to come in place. The new religion's going to be established. The image is going to be set up in the temple at Jerusalem. It's going to be demanded at that time that all the people of the world and all the Jews worship this image. Through the powers of Satan and through satanic powers, the Antichrist is going to make this thing do talk, make it do signs and wonders, make it do whatever it needs to do to, to deceive the people. But then, toward as they, when, when this point gets there, when the Antichrist sets up the new religion, when this false god that's set up in the temple is there and he demands the worship of the Jews... At that very moment, the Jews is going to realize we've been deceived. He's not, the, he's not the Savior of the world. He's not the Messiah. And they're going, to, they're going to reject it. And when they reject it, according to everything I've studied, everything I've read, I've not only read the Bible, but I've went in and I've searched out some great writers, some great men. I've followed some people that, that I feel like with confidence has a good hold and a good view of this. But I believe that, I won't say everybody, but 90% of the people that's referred to in this verse where he's talking about those that were beheaded, were raised from the dead, and reigned with Christ for a thousand years is going to be mainly Jews. So us Gentiles, we can say all day long, well, I, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. I don't think it's going to happen. I believe the ones that are going to be raised in this time is going to be mainly the Jews because the Antichrist, all his purpose and all of his plan from the beginning has been to exterminate the Jews, which is God's people, because they are God's people. 
Now, I know we've been engrafted into the, into the covenant of Abraham and all the blessings of the Old Testament fall to us as the New Testament and we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I understand all that. But I believe this verse is talking more about the annihilation of the Jews and them having to be headed and give their life because they've revoked it and said, I will not worship that beast that's in that temple because that is not God. I may have been misinformed up to this point, and I may, not, may have made some bad decisions, but I'm not going any further, and I will not worship that image. And at that time, they're going to they're gonna give their life, and they're going to be beheaded. And this is going to be the people that's going to be raised and resurrected at the end of the battle of Armageddon. From this time on, none of the followers of Jesus Christ will die, but they will live eternally with Christ. At this point, the fulfillment of Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, which says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus and the saints shall rule upon the earth, and the kingdoms of the world will have become the kingdom of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in which he will rule forever and ever. There's coming a time. saints that we don't want to be a part of this is one place you don't want to be this is one place you don't want to be a part of you don't want to be on this earth after the rapture's taking place you can look at me and you can say preacher you're trying to scare me into something you're trying to trick me you're trying to get my emotions stirred no I'm not but honey I've been a Christian for over 30 years and this right here scares the daylights out of me. And it makes me want to ever, more than ever, for me to be sure that things right in my life. There ain't nothing, nobody, nothing in this world or nobody in this world worth me missing the rapture over. And I encourage you this morning to look Take a long, hard look at yourself in the mirror and say, where am I standing with God? What's really going on in my life? Have I really gave God my heart? Have I really gave Him everything? Have I really said, God, I'm committed to you, or am I just playing church with God? 